0: And uh, I love Pastor Gary's preaching. I'm a little bit normally. I'm not intimidated having to fill somebody's pulpit, but you have a wonderful pastor and a great preacher. And uh, man, he's he's done it for here for 20 years. That's amazing. So I'm not going to say anything about him that I had all those things planned. I was going to say about him because I want you to have a really good impression of uh, of him. Now I'm a little old school compared to him, because I brought, actually brought a Bible uh, and, didn't, and didn't bring my, didn't bring my uh, iPad. And I actually have notes. And you also have notes that you can follow along there in, in, uh, in your Bibles and in your bulletins. There's another piece of paper in the bulletin that, that is there. It's one of those little half or quarter sheets that is a, is a card I'm going to refer you to later on. Uh, as we kind of conclude things here today, uh, it is an honor to serve the Lord and to serve open Bible churches. I've uh, been doing it now for not quite two years. In fact, I kind of lose track, but it's going on two years. Um, and I actually worked for the national office um, in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, but, but the, uh, the uh, deal maker for me was that I didn't have to move to Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, I could stay right here in the Spokane area. The uh, Vince McCarty, who's the uh, executive director of what they're now calling Global Missions of Open Bible, we're no longer International Ministries. The new name is Global Missions. Uh, he he told me as long as I had a cell phone and access to the internet, I could live just anywhere I wanted. So that that worked out really good. Uh, because I, you know, when he initially was insisting that I had to move to Des Moines, Iowa, and if you're from Des Moines, Iowa, it's a wonderful, beautiful town, but I had no desire to go there. Um, And, uh, you know, and I told him that I could probably do it, you know, but he'd have to give me uh, permission to go visit my wife once in a while because she wasn't moving to Des Moines, Iowa. So uh, we're, uh, we're very happy here in... The Pacific Northwest, and uh, have my father still living here uh, in the Spokane area. I moved here. One of the reasons I moved from Mexico to Spokane was to be near my father and uh, you know that that reason 's still there, so as long as my dad 's still alive i 'm going to hang around you 'll be seeing me now. I do travel a lot, as you know i 'm in charge of sixteen countries. Uh, and I worked not necessarily with missionaries, but I worked, or North American missionaries, but I worked with the field directors in each of those 16 countries, worked with them and their boards and, and uh, encouraging them to grab onto this vision. What's exciting, all the statistics that you saw uh, on that presentation are from uh, 2011, because we're just now receiving the statistics for 2012, and they're, they're coming in. But one of the things that's exciting, for example, in in Argentina, we had 180 churches. They planted 13 churches this last year. Okay, I mean that's pretty cool, and uh, and they're just barely grabbing onto this thing. Now the next wave that you're going to see happening in from Latin America, because it's happening. It's what's happening in the world today. Okay, the there's been this incredible shift of the central the centrality or the uh, where the, the center of Christianity has shifted from the West. How many of you know we live in post-Christian America? Uh, the center of Christianity shifted back you know, in the early 1800s when the first great missionary movement uh, began, shifted from the Middle East to, uh, the, uh, to the United States and to Western Europe, and that's no longer the case. Uh, it has shifted to the south, and it has shifted almost back towards its roots. And so the, the hotbed of Christianity today is Latin America, it is Africa, it is Asia. There are, there are, and, and those are the countries that are actually going to be the next wave of sending missionaries. It's getting more and more difficult to send North American missionaries, not just because it's expensive, but because there's a lot of places that don't want to see a North American missionary. And they're in those same places, we can send Latin American missionaries without any problem. And so one of the things I'm doing is I travel, I just got back a couple of weeks ago from uh, spending about 12 days in Argentina where we had the first ever All-South America Summit, where we brought together all the field directors from all over South America, and we just sat down. Now, you know, we had some stuff we had to hash out, so we put them in a room now in a room that outside it was about 96 degrees and maybe 90 uh, percent humidity. Inside there was no air conditioning and no fans. We figured if we put them in that oven long enough, they'd work things out. Okay, <laughs> they'd find a way to uh, to uh, come to agreement, and they did. And it was an exciting, it was a wonderful time. And I am joking; we didn't torture them, uh, but God did some exciting things while we were there. Now I want to talk to you this morning, though, about the miracle of working with a miracle working God. That's what's exciting. Because see, none of this is up to any of us. I was reading in my uh, Bible reading today because I do the Life Journal and I follow the Life uh, Journal reading plan. And I was reading where uh, Jesus in Gospel of Mark is talking to his disciples and he's talking about how difficult it is for a rich man to get into heaven. And, and uh, they're just kind of astounded at that. And they say, their question to Jesus is, well, how can anybody be saved? And Jesus said, you know, for man, things are impossible, but for God, everything is possible. And we need to understand that, humanly speaking, this mission that God has given us of reaching 7 billion people who are on our planet today. I mean, I I can't even wrap my head around how many people that is. The only thing I do want to tell you, sometimes when we think of those big numbers, when we talk about missions, we talk about people in Latin America, we talk about people in Africa and Asia and, and Europe and all around the world, we have a hard time personalizing that. It's just kind of this glob of humanity. They have names and faces we don't know. What I want to tell you is that every one of those 7 billion people on the planet today is a real person. Every one of them is a person just like you. If you pinch them, it hurts, uh, you know, and, and they'll, they'll scream. They need Jesus just as much as you need Jesus. And humanly speaking, it's impossible for us to reach this globe and this planet for Jesus Christ. But with God, everything is possible. With God, all things are possible. There are no impossibilities. And so we need to understand that. I remember in my journal, I think, thank God it's not up to us. Thank God it's not up to how good we are and how smart we are and how rich we are. I mean, even a tiny little organization like Open Bible Churches, we can make an impact because we have a big God. Our impact does not depend on how big we are. Our impact does not depend on how big our wallet is. Our impact depends on how big God is. And one of my favorite passages of Scripture is found in John chapter 6. It's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's a miraculous story of how he multiplied loaves and fishes. In fact, uh, in verse 2, it says, A great multitude followed him because they beheld the signs which he did on them that were sick. In other words, they, they, they saw the miraculous healings that Jesus was performing. The miraculous draws a crowd. How many of you know that? You know, if miracle things begin to happen, people are drawn to that. People aren't necessarily drawn to just the mundane. Why why would you get excited about that which just happens all the time? It's miracles that draw crowds. And in the case of Jesus and his earthly ministry, that was true. Now, while miracles always draw a crowd, these people who were drawn to that place in Galilee where Jesus was was about to perform this miracle they went there to see, because they'd heard about miracles of healing, but they were about to witness the miracle of multiplication. And I, and I want us to, we're going to learn from some of these things that we see in this passage of scripture today. I want to read through the passage and I'm going to back up and, and you can follow along in your Bibles. Hopefully you have a Bible or you have a phone or you have an iPad or something that has it. Is, has the Bible gone out? No, it's, it still works. Okay, let's read it. Say, chapter 6 of John, verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. And then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, and you know, you got to picture yourself here. He he leans over to Philip, who's one of his disciples, and he says to him, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And and, uh, in verse six, he asked this, and it's almost, verse six is almost like this little parenthesis. okay? Philip had no idea that that verse six was happening the other disciples didn't know this was happening john years later is writing the story he's telling the story that happened before and so he puts this little verse in there as an explanation and it says he asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do that's one of my favorite verses in the whole bible Okay, do you ever get up get worked up about what's going on or not going on in your life? You ever get, you know, a little excited about when things are not going real well or things are going, uh, you know, south on you and 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 uh, you know, and we what we need to remember is that God is never surprised by anything. Okay? He already not only is he aware of your situation. Not only is he aware of what it is that you're going through, but he already has in mind what he wants to do he already has an answer he already has a solution for that problem you know he's just waiting for you to ask really if you think about it you know we think we think that God is like us that he just gets panicked all the time we look at our we look at what's happening in our world today and with one word you could you could if you were to pick one word to describe the situation in our world today and it's a global issue it's it's a word called insecurity because we, we live in insecure times. I mean, the, we have the stock market is volatile. It depends on what happens. You know, if there's any kind of news from anywhere, it affects what's happening with our economy. We we are we are we are flooded with bad news. It's like every time I I, I watch the news and I try not to, but every time I watch the news, it's like i think to myself or i turn to my wife and i say man jesus has got to be coming soon how can this keep going how can stuff keep happening i mean it's just all falling into place and it can be absolutely frightening if you let it get to you but what we need to understand is that god has everything under control and we need to understand that in spite of how the chaos that it appears to us in spite of the insecurity that it looks like to us Jesus already has in mind what he wants to do. And he has a plan. He gives you and I this opportunity to participate, to partner with a miracle-working God. Imagine that. When you, when you don't have to do things on your own, you don't, have to, you don't have to find victory over things in your life on your own. You don't have to, have to, to uh, find financial prosperity, for example, all on your own. You can partner with a miracle-working God. You can partner with a God who operates on what I like to call principles of multiplication. That's what we see in this passage of Scripture. Because it goes on, verse 7, Philip answers him and says, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and he said, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them, plus their wives, plus all their kids. And Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled the baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And, and after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Let's look at the principles of multiplication. First principle of multiplication is that what we have is not enough. What you have in your bank account is not enough. What Open Bible has as far as human resources and financial resources is not enough to get the job done. We can't do it by ourselves. We don't have, the, we don't have the, the resources to accomplish what God has called us to do. Isn't that amazing? He called us to do something that's impossible for us to do by ourselves. We don't have enough. What we have is not enough. And then if you look at verse 7, what it tells us is that man, and that's what you and I are, we are humans, human beings always think too small. In verse 7 in this passage that we read, uh, Simon, I believe it is, or uh, where Philip is the one who says, uh, uh, where are we, verse 7, eight months wages wouldn't buy enough for each one to have a bite. Now, how many of you know that God's not interested in everybody just having a bite? What Jesus had in mind was not, okay, I'm going to multiply the loaves and fishes so that everybody gets a bite. His plan was to to provide more than enough. In fact, his plan was to supply and satisfy every need that was there and that there would be 12 basketfuls left over. So in other words, we always think too small. We always think of what's the minimum that we can get God to do. What's the minimum that God could do if we would just take what little bit we have and put it in his hands? So as human beings, we think too small. We have a limited vision of what God can do. You know, we, we, we honestly are convinced we believe, we believe more what we see on television. We believe more what we, what we read on the internet. How I many you know everything on the internet is true? Have you ever seen that? No, it's not. Listen, we believe, we believe everything but what God tells us. And the Word of God tells us that God is without limit. The Word of God tells us that He is all-powerful, that He is all-knowing, that He's everywhere at once. Okay, that's the God we serve. This God, He's, he's an eternal God, He never gets old. And His stuff never runs out. And, and, and that's the God that we are, are, have the opportunity to partner with in, his, in this thing called multiplication. See, I believe that, that there is the economy of this world, but there also is an economy that I like to call God's economy. Okay, God's economy is not rocked by the stock market. God's economy is not affected by wars and rumors of wars. God's economy is not affected by by the latest job statistics that are released. God's God's economy is not not dependent on whether even the United States survives or not. Okay, God's economy is an eternal economy. And what God does when he invites you and I to participate in this miracle of of multiplication, he invites you and I to take the little bit that we have and invest it in his economy. And listen, that's the most sure investment that you can make. That's why you need, number one, to be paying your tithes. You know, tithes are not something that you give because giving is a gift, you don't give your tithes to God. They belong to him already. You pay your tithes. The tenth of everything that you have belongs to him. And you're just, by, by, by paying your tithes, you're just acknowledging that, yeah, that's true. He, he's the one that owns it all. He's my source. He's, because in God's economy, he will make up for what I can't do myself. That's what tithing is. It's a step of faith. It's a step of faith. It's a step of, uh, of partnering with a miracle-working God. It's a step of partnering with a God who, who will make up the difference. Now, giving is beyond that. Giving to missions, for example. Missionaries. I'm a missionary. Did you know that I don't get a salary? Did you know that, that, that my position, even though I'm the assistant to the executive director of Global Missions of Open Bible Churches, I don't get a salary, I have to raise monthly support. I have to raise support. I have to have people who are willing to say, you know, above my tithes because my tithes belong to God and my tithes belong to the storehouse, which is the church that I go to. Then, above and beyond my tithe, I want to participate. I want to take, you know, a, a step of faith and say, here's the little piece that I'm going to put. It's only it's only a couple of little fish. It's only you know it's only a few little barley loaves, but I'm willing to take a little piece of that and put it in God's hands and see what he can do with it. Because see, what I think he can do with it, when you participate with this miracle-working God, one of the things I don't know if you noticed in the the slide presentation, by the year 2020, I'm projecting that we're gonna have over 2,000 churches in Latin America. That's doubling. We wanna double the number of churches in Latin America. We wanna extend the kingdom of the open Bible. No, we wanna extend the kingdom of God in the name of Open Bible, under the banner of Open Bible, uh, to the other nine countries in Latin America where we still don't have, as Open Bible, we don't have any churches. I wanna us expand that. Now, that's impossible. Humanly speaking, we can't do that. The only way we can see that happen is if you and I, as God's people, say, you know what? I'm gonna take what little bit I have and I'm gonna invest it in what God can do, and God will take that and multiply it. Now, another principle of multiplication is that we have to be willing to give what God provides, okay? We, have to, we must be willing to give what God provides us with, okay? Now, it's interesting. I have to believe that in a crowd of 5,000 men plus women plus kids that there had to be more than just one little boy with a lunch, okay? I can't imagine that, 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 that his, his mama was the only Jewish mama that thought enough to send him a lunch, I have a feeling there was a lot of other things to eat in that crowd. Not everybody showed up with nothing, okay? But there was one who was willing to share what he had. It wasn't a big lunch. It was a little boy's lunch, okay? This was not a man's lunch. It was a little boy's lunch, but he was willing to give what God provided. And God will entrust with us, or entrust us with what we will be willing to give back. You know, it's, it's, this, it's this cycle that you and I need to understand. If God knows you're going to be stingy, then he's not going to give you anything. Okay? If he knows that you're gonna, I have a friend in Mexico, a great missionary uh, to the mountains of, in Oaxaca, and he's just a little guy, a little bald-headed guy, and, uh, you know, not much to look at, but he is a modern-day apostle, if there is such a thing. And uh, one of the things that his name is Neftali and one of the things that Neftali told me one day you're going to love this I'm going to tell you a joke in Spanish one day he told me he said hermano hermano Dios tiene todos los recursos necesarios el problema es que lo tiene en los manos de los muy coditos did you get it? No. okay Well, how many who got it? okay he said, he said brother God has all of the resources that are necessary the problem is he has them in the hands of those stingy people and this is the sign for stingy in, in Latin America. Codo, I mean, what it means is they're holding back. Okay, and so it's true. God has all the resources we need to, to expand to the other nine countries in Latin America, including Portugal uh, and, uh, and, and all the other regions of, of Brazil, one of the biggest nations, one of the, you know, extensively, almost bigger than the United States. And currently we're only in one city in, uh, in in Port- in uh, Brazil. But God will entrust us if we're willing to give back. I remember taking young people into the garbage dumps in Mexico City. I mean, and it is startling when you see those little kids filthy and probably never had a bath in their lives and they're just playing in that garbage and they live in that garbage and, and just the, the smell makes you sick and you just see them covered with flies and it's just, it's indescribable what it is. And I remember uh, I, you know, I, take, I would take teenagers in there and I would only take them one day. I wouldn't let them go you know, for a long time. And I'd kind of rotate them in. And I remember one, one particular teenage girl, it just blew her world to pieces because she was one spoiled, rotten little kid. And I remember seeing her kind of standing off and she was just sobbing. And I, and I walked over and I, and I put my arm around her and I said, you know, what's the deal? What's, what's on? And she goes, I'm just so ashamed. And I said, you know what, you don't have no reason. You don't have to, you and I as Americans need to understand, we don't ever have to apologize for being blessed unless we're not willing to share. Okay? If we are blessed and we're not willing to share, then we don't deserve to be blessed. Did you hear that? Because it's true. God will bless and continue to bless, and he will multiply and bless those who are willing to share what they have. But if you're not willing to share what God has blessed you with, You, my friends, are a stingy person. See, I can say that and leave. Pastor Gary can straighten all this out when he gets back. (laughs) And listen, God doesn't bless our good intentions. God doesn't bless our good intentions, but only what we actually place in his hands. It's not that you meant to. To pay your tithes. It's not that, well, I, I, I intended to do that. Or, well, I, I I know I signed a pledge and I and I pledged that I would by faith I would give so much to to world evangelism. Dah, dah, dah. Yeah. Okay, good intentions are good, but that's not what God blesses. God blesses what you actually give. Okay? You have to actually give it. You have to put it in the offering plate. You have to actually put it in his hands. You have to release it and let it go. In Mexico City, where I live for twelve years, uh, one of the things that's interesting about the the in, the ambiance in in Mexico City is that traffic everywhere you go there's traffic and and every intersection is a new experience because uh, you know if you get stuck there then the, then they you got guys that are juggling you guys got people that are blowing fire you got a guy that's laying he's rolled out a mat and he's laying down on on glass and then you got them doing all kinds of things and they come and try to sell you your windshield wipers back or your hubcaps back or whatever you know they're just it's a circus in every intersection it's a circus and I remember one time there's this one intersection that I would drive through every time on my way going from home going to home from work and there was this guy always selling roses I mean they're beautiful roses but you know one of the things I discovered about those roses they, they last about a day if you buy them. But they are really cheap. I mean, you could buy a dozen roses for the of about $2. And, uh, and so I remember one time I told my wife, it's the thought that counts. And every time I see those roses, I think about buying them. And how many of you know that the intention was not enough? That was not enough for my wife. She said, you know what? Just forget about your intentions. Just get me some roses, whatever. You know, I don't care if it only lasts one day. It's the thought. That counts, Okay. Not, God will not bless our intentions. He will bless what we actually place in his hands. And so we need to understand. It's an important principle to understand. Another part of, or another principle of, of multiplication is in Jesus' hands, we, what we have will meet the need. It may not be much. And you say, well, man, I barely, you know, I don't know. I can only give. I, I don't have much to give. I mean, I barely am able to make ends meet as it is. I don't have a lot left over. And, and how many of you know, we don't need to give God what's left over. No, the, the plan of God is we get to share in what's left over after he does the blessing, okay? He, we don't give him the leftovers, we give him the best. We give him the first fruits. We give him the best that we have. You know, we, 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 we have a misconception of the word sacrifice, for example. We ask people to give sacrificially. And we think that means it hurts. You know, I just, if you've been following the Bible reading plan, then you've been plowing your way through some of the most exciting Old Testament stuff that you'll find anywhere. All about all these sacrifices and these rituals and the da, 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 And and it's like, I I gotta ask somebody, what in the world, you're a Bible scholar, what is the peace offering for? Who are you making peace with? You know, are you making peace with God? Are you making, do, do, anyway? You can answer that later. But all this stuff, when, when in the Old Testament, a sacrifice—you didn't get. You had to always give the best of your flock. You had to give the one without blemish. You had to give. Yeah, you, 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 you sacrifice meant you gave your best. Sacrifice for us means we give what's left over. Well, you give what's left over. You're not giving the best. Okay, so. In order for this multiplication thing to work, we need to understand that in Jesus' hands, what we have will meet the need. In verse 11, he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And listen, we need to understand something. I believe that God's intention for the ministry of the intersection church is not just for us to be able to offer to all the people who live in the apartments and all the people who live in Spokane County he does, his plan is not for us to be able to offer enough just for everybody to get a little bite. Everybody just to, have, just to be able to taste and see. No, 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 no. What God plans is that every person would have every need totally satisfied and there'd still be some left over. Okay, and I'm not just talking finances. I'm talking about meeting their spiritual needs. But see, a lot of times when pastors or preachers are afraid to talk about finances we forget how closely tied money is to the spiritual in fact you know we can can tell the Lord with our lips how much we love him but we demonstrate how much we love him with our pocketbook I I can get away with this because I'm not going to be here next week well I will be here next week but I'm not going to be up here we do we do one of the biggest parts of worship, because worship, the root word for worship is worth-ship, the worthiness of God. When we worship God, that's why we actually, when we give in the offering, whether it's the, the paying our tithes or giving in an offering, friends, we are, we are worshiping the Lord. Because we're declaring by our acts. We're declaring by the act of taking what we have and putting it in God's hands. We're declaring his worthiness. How much is he worth to you? Well, it's easy to say the words, but we need to do the actions, okay? If you really are grateful for, what all, for all that he's done for you, then don't act like an ingrate. Don't be stingy. Don't hold back. Don't, don't just give him while well, I can spare a dime. Now, you know, God's not begging us for the dime that we can spare. What God wants is for us to demonstrate with hechos, with acts, that, that he is the number one thing in our life, that he's not just the guy who blesses us. He's our Lord. He's our king. He's our God. He already owns everything. And he's inviting us to participate with him in this thing called the miracle of multiplication. What we have will meet the need. In fact, in verse 12, it says, they, after they sat down, all had enough to eat. They had all they wanted. They all had enough to eat. God met the need. He met the need. Yeah. And, 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 and so it's okay for us to dream kingdom things, like dreaming that in Latin America, we're actually gonna double the number of our churches. Now you think about it. In the United States, Open Bible has barely 300 churches. And my, and my goal, my personal goal for Latin America is that we would double from 1,000 to 2,000 in seven years. Now, Is that impossible? Well, it is if it's up to me. But it's not up to me. It's up to a God who has unlimited resources. It's up to a God that unfortunately has limited his blessing to the participation of those that he blesses. Did you hear that? You know what limits what God wants to do in this world today? We do. It's not the sin in the world that prevents God from doing more. It's not the evil out there that keeps God from doing more. It's the apathy of God's people that keeps God from doing more. And I'm sorry. That, see, I'm an evangelist. I can say that and leave. Pastor Gary would be really nice. But it's our apathy. It's our, okay, you know, I'm, I got what I need. I got what I want. I'm good. You know, I'm happy. Sun's shining today. You know what? There are a lot of people today that don't have anything. And they're waiting for somebody to participate so that they can all have enough. They can all have enough. Then another, another principle of multiplication is that through multiplication, there will be more than enough. Because see, it wasn't God's intention ever just to meet the need. You know, he, it wasn't his intention that everybody would, you know, not only that they would not just have a bite, but that they would just be satisfied. He has more than enough. He has more than that. I believe that God has enough resources in heaven. And again, not just material. God has enough power. He has enough grace. He has enough mercy. God has all that is necessary that he could meet the need of every one of the 7 billion people on our planet and, sti- and we still wouldn't exhaust his supply. Okay? He has enough. He has enough love. He has enough to satisfy everyone and then still be some left over. Okay? We will never totally exhaust the capacity of God to do miracles. We cannot exhaust it, okay? But we can limit it by our participation in it. And so we need to understand, that's an important principle. Through multiplication will be more than that. And here's the really cool thing. The ones who give and the ones who participate, because part of the participation wasn't just the little boy. The little boy wasn't the only one that got blessed, okay? I mean, they didn't just steal his lunch. He did get to eat. You know? And he was included in the, in the crowd that had enough. Okay? Uh, but, but here's what's interesting. God used those 12 doubtful disciples who were saying, eight months wages wouldn't be enough to buy one bite for every one of these people. And here's a, here's a lunch, but what is that? In comparison to the need. Oh, great men of faith that they were. Jesus said, look, I'll, I'll bless it. I'll break it. You distribute it. And that's the thing. See, not only do we give of what we have, but God also gives us opportunity to serve. He gives us opportunity to be involved in the thing. And as we're, it, and the 12 basketfuls that were left over, who were they for? Did they take it to the Salvation Army? Did they take it to Goodwill? Or did they take it to the UGM? What did they do with the 12 basketfuls that were left over? That was theirs, isn't it? If there were 12. Now, what co- What kind of a coincidence is that? That there were 12 people who were d- distributing and, and there were 12 basketfuls left over. So God blessed. And they, and they didn't even give what was theirs. Okay? They just served out of, out of uh, being a channel of that which God was blessing. Because Jesus was the one who was blessing it. He was the one who was taking, can you imagine? I mean, I can't imagine I have experienced the, the, the miracle of multiplication. Uh, uh, of, we were doing a, a, uh, an outreach in, in Chiapas, Mexico, and, and uh, we had doctors and dentists, and we had enough medicine for maybe a couple hundred people. Well, we had that many people show up every day. And we, but we were just so busy, we weren't paying that much attention. And then one day, uh, the lady who was kind of our administrator, she, she during our devotional time, she said, you know, we need to pray the, somebody, God will speak to somebody and they'll send us some materials because we're running out of stuff and we still got another place to go. And so we prayed that. We didn't spend a lot of time praying. We had work to do. And we went back to work and, and we even went to, we got word that hey, that, that, that at the next place we were going that they had received a package of medicine. We're thinking, woo, glory, God heard our prayer. And I remember getting to that town and it was a little tiny package that somebody sent their unused You know they're used uh, prescription drugs, but they hadn't used them all. So these were already open, and it's like they were worthless. There was nothing there that helped. But we still had work to do, so we just kept doing the work. And we got so involved, we didn't figure it out until when we got done, we were packing up. We still had stuff left to pack up in our trailer to go home. And the only explanation is that God multiplied that medicine. He multiplied that dental material so that when we left, we had stuff left over. And one of the lessons that, that uh, Rosie, this gal, said, she got up the last day, she said, you know what the Lord has showed us is that God does not bless what's sitting in the warehouse. He blesses what we're willing to give away. Okay? God's not gonna bless what's sitting in your bank account. He's gonna bless what you're willing to put in, employ in the kingdom of God. God's not gonna bless the talents that you're just sitting on. He's gonna bless your talents as you get involved. And You begin to serve. And, and so there's no, not only is there enough for everyone out there that has a need, there's enough for those who participate to be blessed again. And that's not, our motivation isn't just that we get blessed. But they gathered and they filled 12 baskets left over by those who had eaten. And then finally, this, the principle of multiplication. And this is a partnership that pays miraculous dividends. Verse 14, it talks about this miraculous sign. He used what they gave him. Uh, Let's look at that verse real quickly. Uh, Jesus used what they gave him. After the people saw the miraculous sign, and they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. In other words, there was was also a harvest that took place. There were people who were convinced of who Jesus was, because of a miracle that never would have taken place if somebody hadn't been willing to say, here's all I have, take it and use it, okay? Uh, And so it resulted in spiritual conversion and harvest. In your bulletin, there's that little slip of paper, and it has the Open Bible logo on it, and it's a place for you uh, to make a commitment. And I'm I'm asking you to make a commitment. The commitment that Pastor Gary has uh, is that, that... All of the money, unless you designate it somewhere else, but all of the money that's given to to missions, that's given to to global missions, is gonna be designated to Karen and I because we're part of your church family, okay? And I'm discovering in Open Bible, that's kind of how it works, okay? Uh, And maybe you weren't aware of that. So on that piece of paper, you have an opportunity to do a couple of things. One is you have an opportunity to say, you know what, I would be willing to participate uh, with X number of dollars a month. Now, you don't have to give that to me. You can just put that in the offering, designate it to missions, and the, and the church just sends one check off to uh, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and that goes into my account. Or on that piece of paper, it also gives you other instructions. There's a website you can go to and give on directly on MVP. If you're not one that writes checks and you use a debit card, there's a way to go do it, okay? You can do that. And then also you can sign up to receive my, e- my e-newsletter. Or once, I actually have one that goes out a couple times a year that's a printed form. And if you'd like to do that, you can fill that out. Now, my wife is in the foyer, I'm sure. And I have some prayer cards there. And you're welcome to pick one of those up. And what you have in that little piece of paper is you have the back side of the prayer card, okay? But we're in a moment, we're gonna receive an offering. And if you could fill that out and you could be taking time right now to be filling that out or you can turn it in later. Uh, Turn that into my wife and I as we're standing out there and we'll exchange that little piece of paper. We'll give you the real deal. We'll give you the real uh, uh, prayer card so that you can have that to put on your refrigerator or in your bathroom, wherever you go the most uh, so that you can be reminded to pray for us because we need that. Listen, friends, I believe that Intersection Church, uh, with the vision that Pastor Gary has received from the Lord, uh, we're on the verge of, of experiencing incredible blessing and growth. But Pastor Gary can't do it by himself. The staff can't do it by themselves. We have to participate. We have to invest. And we have to invest even sometimes when it hurts. God has given you an invitation today to invest. I'm asking you to invest in my ministry as I travel. I have, I've been in a lot of countries. I've got scheduled trips to, to uh, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Mexico, Chile uh, in this coming year. And, and I can't do that if I don't have the financial support uh, that you can give me. So I'm just gonna ask God's blessing upon you. Pastor uh, Isaac's coming. Father, thank you so much that we can partner with a miracle-working God. We can partner with a God who's not just a God of addition, but a God of multiplication. I pray today, God, that you will not only have challenged our hearts, but Lord, that you will have given us an assurance in our hearts that we can participate. We can be a part, not just of what God is doing here in Spokane Valley, but we can be a part of what God is doing around the world and it'd be a part of reaching the 7 billion unreached people today. Father, we just ask for that. Bless people as they give, in Jesus' name, amen.